Hey guys, we're trying something new in this episode, so if you're listening to us on Spotify, swipe up to answer our question of the day. Who is someone you saw on TV that made you feel seen for the first time? For me, it was Benson from Kipo in the Age of the Wonder Beasts. Can't wait to read yours. Welcome back to another episode of Black and Bourbon, where we discuss life and culture from the perspective of Gen Z and millennials. What is up, Khalil? What are you doing today? What's up, Naya? What's up, listeners? I'm doing well. I have been really busy with work the last couple of weeks. We are going to a conference in Hawaii, and so I've been doing a ton of extra stuff outside of my normal job to prep for that. Which has been kind of tiring, but I was able to parlay that into a raise. So I got a raise on Monday. (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hyped. How much money are you making? Just kidding. I'm not telling you. (laughs) So you can send me some more little money on the side. You still owe me money, actually. (laughs) I do. (laughs) I never lied to you. I'll give you your money back someday. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. I got on the spreadsheet. I'll share with you after the call. I know you do. (laughs) Be quiet. I know you do. It's <laughs> annoying. Sound like me. <laughs> Where's my money? <laughs> I know you got my money. <laughs> I can't be uh, mad. <laughs> what about you, Di? What have you been up to? Um, I recently got an internship, which is really exciting. Oh, no. I didn't know you like actually got it. Oh, no. Okay. So I was about to rephrase that. I did an internship interview, but it was a mock interview because I did this thing through my athletic department. It's a career development thing. And we did a networking slash mock interview with people who actually work in the field that we want to work in. So I did an interview. It was legit. It was real. But I didn't come out of it thinking, oh my gosh, she's going to contact me back because she was really there to kind of help you prep for like interviews slash potentially want to work for her company. So obviously it was real and you should come into it thinking like she's going to possibly offer me. But I wasn't sure. I wasn't getting that vibe at the end, even though I thought the interview was really good. But two days later, she emailed me and she's like, I want to have you part of our firm. I want to offer a internship and I would like to talk to you with my husband because they have a PR firm. So I am basically just waiting to have that talk with her. She emailed me like a couple days ago, like, I just want you to know it's still on my radar. I didn't forget. We're just really, really busy. So that was like affirming because for a minute I was like, where is this lady? Why hasn't she emailed <laughs> me back? But I did get a call today from another internship I applied for saying that they wanted to do an interview. So I'm going to be doing that on March 1st. I have my second internship interview. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's yeah. awesome. That's exciting. And are these for the summer? Yeah, these are for the summer. Very nice. Super excited about that. The feeling of actually, one, with the interview through my athletic department, being able to interview with her. And I think I do really well in interviews. So it was nice to actually be able to sit down with someone. And I got basically an internship from it. So that was nice. But the hard part for me was applying for these internships and waiting to hear things back. But there's 50, 60 other people applying for it, too. So they don't even get to see the person. They just see your resume. So... From the second internship that called me today, it was nice that they read my resume, and the resume was impressive from not even knowing me. I think that was really cool. What was this internship for? It's an energy company. The internship was business, but they had different segments in it, so communications was one of them. Mm-hmm. It's more of a business internship, but it's for a energy company, Okay. but it could be cool. It's a pretty big one in where I am. Very cool. 
The other one's for a PR firm, and I think I would enjoy that one a little bit more, honestly. Okay, okay, nice. Have you been watching Euphoria? Yeah, I have. I just watched the last Monday's episode yesterday. (laughs) Okay, guys, so we won't spoil anything because when this is released, the finale will have aired just last night, so we don't want to say anything that is going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't had a chance to watch it yet. But we will talk about the episodes up until then. So if mm-hmm. you haven't watched, sorry, you better pause this or skip past this. Yeah, I, I would just skip past it. Okay, I want to say Maddie. What's the blonde girl's name? Cassie. Cassie and Nate. Oh, my gosh. I, <laughs> okay, so I don't want to spoil what happened just in the last episode, but the fact that Cassie would do that to her best friend Maddie, what? And Nate's, Nate screwed with her so much. So I'm like, why? You know how much trauma she went through with that man. He literally held a gun to her mouth. Like, what? I mean, I don't think Cassie knows about all that. But I don't, she doesn't. But still, she knows about the majority of the trauma he caused her. Yeah. It just kind of goes to show how hurt these kids are, specifically Cassie. Because it feels like seriously she wants to be loved so badly. And it's so sad. Like... I, I kind of want to go back to the first season and see how her relationship with McKay was because she just seems like she is just like, I don't care. Even though he treats her like crap, she's like, I'll do anything. And even in the moments where it seems like she kind of stands up for herself, she still ends up being like, you know what, whatever, Nate, I'll do whatever you say. Yeah. It's like, what is going on? Mm, man, I know. It's just crazy. But I think they've been showing a lot of scenes with her dad this season. I think it's this season, oh, right? Oh, yeah. So I think that that may be part of her, like, trauma and issues with, like, men is her, like, just her father left her and he's an addict and it's just traumatizing slash, like, this male figure in your life that you were so close to and loved so much is, like, gone and yeah, you don't have but that anymore. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember her relationship with McKay being this chaotic. I don't, I don't think so, but Nate is chaotic. And she loves yeah. him so much. I think she loves him more than she did McKay. So and Nate I think is like Nate doesn't even care about her up until that one day he saw her outside the Seven Eleven or whatever it was. Day. He had talked dog crap about her the whole time. Yes. <laughs> even I when know. she was with McKay, he was like talk bad about her. He was like, "Why are you yeah. with that girl? She's so dumb." Da, da, da. I wonder what McKay would say. Yeah, and that's that the thing together. too, McKay. I wonder if he even knows because like he's Probably off at college, not. but like. Because remember the, when she was in the bathroom, that yeah, episode? and he was he, being he all was weird. He was like, where's Cassie? Where's Cassie? Yeah. Yeah, he was being weird. What was that about? It's like, yeah, Nate yeah. is just a freaking weirdo <laughs> to He's me. Like chaotic. He is so... And like... Even when you think it's just like, okay, like his dad's gone, maybe he's going to calm down. And then he just like still does stuff. But that like, was the point of his mom. Right. She was like, it wasn't your dad. You're just crazy. <laughs> you have issues. <laughs> She was uh, like, you think it was your father? What? No, it's you. <laughs> like, you've been this way. Like, and, well, he also didn't tell his mom that, like, whatever she noticed the change was probably around the same time that he started finding those videos from his dad. Yeah. So it still kind of has to do with that a little bit. Yeah. Man. <laughs> those poor kids. Uh, <laughs> and then is over here, high as a kite. I don't right. know. Is she, is she actually sober now? Like, or trying to? I can't tell. I mean, it's like, really only been like one episode since that yeah, big blow up really episode. I can't really tell if she's like 
Yeah. What happened? Also, they have not addressed the drugs. Like they're just gone. And that lady. Right. And that lady was. I'm scared of that that white lady. (laughs) She was like, "I will sell you to some really bad people." I was like, "Oh my god, lady, Zendaya, don't play with her. She's not like she's serious." I'm like, so she just had that freak panic attack about where's my drugs? Where's the suitcase? Where's the suitcase? And then that's it. Like. Nothing they just else. invite Ali over for dinner and it's no big deal. Yeah, I'm like, is that lady that she said it was ten thousand dollars worth of drugs? So yeah, how is she gonna come up with that? I don't know. I guess this is a little bit of a spoiler, but where's Fez? Like, where where's the heck Fez? is right? Yeah. <laughs> like, where is Fez? Okay, but he got his little brother on his side, and that little his little brother's play. crazy too. He's scary as hell. He don't play. <laughs> he put that knife in his sleeve. He don't play. Oh my gosh. And then that girl, too, I kind of feel like she is looking out for Fez, but... I think she's going to end up saying something, but it might be too late. But I don't think I don't think nothing's going to happen to Fez or anything, but I think she wants to say something. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, speaking of finales, because they had their last episode, this is our season finale. We have officially made it to the end of season one of Black and Bourbon. Whoop, whoop. We also wanted to thank everybody who was a guest in this season and thank to all our listeners who came in and listened to our episodes and was a inspiration for us to keep going. Even though we just enjoy this and talking to one another and making these podcast episodes, we also love hearing feedback from you all and we appreciate everyone coming in, reviewing and commenting and supporting us in our first season. Absolutely. Thank you guys for joining our neighborhood, being a part of the cul-de-sac, and uh, we will get into the episode for today. So today what we wanted to talk about was representation, and particularly minority representation. And we're going to kind of touch on some of the different ways that that comes up and, and some of our experience with that, and how we feel like maybe there could be an effort for more representation for people of color. So essentially, when we say representation, what we mean is the idea that minorities and people of color want to see representations of themselves in media, government, and other professional spaces. Everyone should have characters or images they can relate to. It helps us to embrace our culture. There are stories that are missing when you don't have that representation included. It's realistic because everyone deserves to see themselves in their heroes like Black Panther, whether it's a princess, kids, adults, all get, need to see those people representing themselves. There is an African author named Chimimanda Ngozi Adichie, and she has a TED Talk where she describes what she calls the danger of a single story. And essentially, it's the idea that when you're not exposed to the full breadth of a culture or an experience, you are often can jump to a conclusion that everyone in that culture or everyone that has that experience is exactly the same. When in reality, there are so many different experiences that we all have. And if the media is constantly pushing just one experience, then that's how we end up building stereotypes and we end up falling into uh, generalized understandings of people and their culture. She mentions in her TED Talk that When she was a child, her parents were both educators, and she had access to a lot of books. But all of the books that she was reading were from British and American authors. And so a lot of the characters were white, and they did and said things that she didn't identify with. They weren't familiar to her because she lived in Africa, and she didn't behave the way that the characters in the books did. And for her, that turned into an interpretation that 
characters in books are foreign. Characters in books do do things that are different than what I can do. There's no such thing as a character that looks and talks and acts like me in this environment, when that's obviously not true. And it wasn't until she was exposed to other African authors that she was able to start to see herself in books and write books that she felt like she identified with and characters that behaved Mm -hmm. and acted like she did. There's this little snippet of an interview I saw with Denzel Washington, and he was saying how it was important that he, as a black director, directed Fences, and not just because of the color of his skin, but because of the cultural experience and the cultural understanding that he had going into that movie. He understands, and the example he used was the smell of hair being straightened with a hot comb. Like, that's something that black people can Mm -hmm. identify with. We know what that is. And if you're not from that experience, you're not a part of that culture, you may not be able to identify or or accurately recreate those moments. I love that. That reminds me a lot of the doll test study. It was about in the 1940s, psychologist Kenneth and Mammy Clark designed and conducted a series of experiments known as the doll test to study psychological effects of segregation on African-American kids. The doll test was an attempt by Kenneth and his wife to study the development of the sense of self-esteem in children, right? They worked with black children to see the extent of which their color, their sense of their own race and status influenced their judgment about themselves and their self-esteem. Both doctors used four dolls, identical except for color, to test children's racial perceptions. Their subjects' children ran between the ages of three to seven and were asked to identify both the race of the dolls and which color doll they preferred. A majority of the children preferred the white doll and assigned positive characteristics to it. The Clarks concluded that the prejudice and discrimination and segregation created a feeling of inferiority among African-American children and damaged their self-esteem. So I really like that test. I know my mom brought it up to me once before, but I read according to like the root, psychologists have better tools measuring attitudes about race. According to a recent study, 70% of whites have an anti-black bias, as do 50% of blacks. Psychologist Margaret Beale Spencer recreated a questionnaire version of the doll test in 2010 for CNN and found that while there was a white bias in black and white kids, the bias was much less in black kids. In other words, says Dr. Walansa, a New York-based specialist in cross-culture psychiatry, the black kids' self-perception has improved since 1940s, while the white kids remained invested in the stereotype. Hmm. Wow. And all of those biases end up really affecting how people achieve, right? Like, if students don't see themselves, if they don't see people who look like them, similar to the example that Chimimanda Ngozi Adichie gave, if people don't see themselves, then it becomes difficult to imagine themselves in those roles. For example, prior to President Obama being elected, there had never been a person of color as the president. Prior to Kamala Harris being elected as the vice president, there had never been a woman that held an office that high. And so for women or black kids or just kids of color in general to imagine themselves as those roles seemed like a fantasy. It doesn't necessarily seem like something that could really happen. And so having representation makes that a lot more real for kids who don't look like the majority. The thing I like about the more recent study is, even though I know it says white, some white kids still have that white bias, which is understandable, I guess, but I like that it's improved in black kids because 
even now it's 2020. This was back in 2010. But now with more representation, that number has improved and less black kids mm-hmm. see only that white bias. Because when I even when I was younger, there was always just white, 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 white on screens, on TV. But because so much has changed, a little bit better. I won't say, like, everything's better, everything's great. But I think because the number in 2010 increased, I can only imagine what it would be like now. And, like, as that representation improves, I can only imagine what it will be like years from now and how young black kids will see themselves. Yeah, it's so interesting specifically in regards to entertainment because I feel like back in the 90s, there was this point where there felt like there was a lot of black TV shows. The Cosby Show was on, like, Living Single, like, the Fresh Prince. Like, you could name dozens of shows that, like, people loved and that were wildly popular that had black casts. And then it seemed like in the early 2000s, they dipped and there was, like, none or, like, very mm-hmm. few. And I think that was, like, around the time that I was growing up, that I was, like, on watching TV. I think you were probably close after that. And it was just weird because, like, Disney Channel went from being, like, that's so Raven and like Corey in the house and lots of diversity yeah, to like say that. all white shows. Yeah. And like Zendaya's show at one point was like the only black show on Disney Channel. I remember that specifically reading something about that. Yeah. That's like, it's crazy. I mean, speaking of just all things white, that same thing happened at the Oscars, right? The Oscars So White was that movement in 2015 after almost all of the biggest nominations were only white actors mm-hmm. or white uh, directors. And that's not realistic. That's not what the actual community looks like. That's not the work that's actually being produced and created. And it doesn't make sense that only white people are creating work that is being recognized at the highest level. Yeah. Like That really is, if you really think about that logically, that doesn't make sense at all. So the idea that only white people are being nominated for these high awards it just it's it's laughable and it's like not something that should continue. I mean, in the same way that black people and in, in other cultures make up so much of this country, they also produce films, they also act in films, and they create work that is just as groundbreaking as the work that their white counterparts are making. Yeah, that's why I appreciate the NAACP Image Awards because they highlight the achievements of individuals, black individuals in our branches, trailblazers who actively achieve things in business and law and education across the world. And they give awards to those people because they've done so much and black culture has done so much for the world that I applaud this award for giving out awards to show representation. One thing that people sometimes bring up when this conversation is at the table is affirmative action. Do you know what that is, Naya? Yeah. It's basically the concept that, like, for example, in colleges, a certain number of seats are reserved, quote unquote, for minority students Mm -hmm. or black students. And that, quote unquote, prevents white kids from being able to get into college or just other opportunities in general. And that's not something that still is practiced. It's actually not even, it's not an active practice that most colleges use. But I do understand the concept behind systems like that, right? We're already in a deficit. If we acknowledge the current world that we live in, it is not fair, period. Mm -hmm. And so in order to get to a place that looks more like fairness, we need to 
force the hand a little bit. Yeah. It's not necessarily just letting things work themselves out, right? Like, oh, everybody gets to vote, so eventually black people will vote a black person in. Like, no, it's not yeah. like that. There are so many other barriers to access that if there are ways that we can remove those barriers for people of color mm-hmm. in order to create representation so that they can now bring up the generations behind them, then we should do that. I think about that with TV shows. Every TV show nowadays makes sure they have that gay or lesbian friend in it. And for a minute, I was like, man, I feel like they're just like, not that I have anything wrong with it or whatever. But I had to think about it. And I'm like, they really do have to kind of push it on you because just like they did with including a black friend in it or including a black whole black cast, they're kind of pushing it on you almost because they're, they aren't re- representing those gay characters. So or those trans characters. So they're, you know, making sure they have that one, two, three, or the whole class in there included. Because mm-hmm. in order for there to be change, sometimes, like you said, there has to be affirmative action and you have to do something because they're not being represented in these shows. Yeah. Or in life. And there's plenty of kids out there that, just like us, just like black kids, they want to see those characters. They want to see those people recognize. A lot of times that's how we learn about ourselves, right? Especially as kids, as we're growing up, like, we find people that we can identify with and that's how we identify or maybe even find the words for certain things that we're maybe experiencing for the first time or think that we're alone in. It's like, oh, wow, there's someone else out there that also enjoys singing. We had a guest at the beginning of the season, Israel, talking about how he loved High School Musical and seeing an athlete who was also Mm -hmm. a performer was inspiring for him. Can you imagine what that feels like as like a black kid, like to see another black actor or a black performer, just somebody who you feel like, wow, like, I think a lot of people felt similarly about the most recent animated Spider-Man with Miles Morales, there being a black Spider-Man. That's a big deal for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And the Black Panther. There are still some places where it can be a little bit better. I think uh, we, as an actor myself, and then you as a model, I think we definitely run into times where hair and makeup options (laughs) are not as great for black people. Like, Something I just particularly pay attention to is like if you're ever watching a TV show and you're watching a quote-unquote white show with a black actor on it, a lot of times, specifically if they're men, their hair looks a mess. And it may be not even a mess, but it's just like you know that they maybe don't wear their hair like that outside of the show or they're just the potential for their hair is better. And they're not getting the hair and makeup team that can really do them justice but the opposite is on black shows you know they always have the best hair and wigs and costumes because the people behind the scenes know how to work with the actors and know what will look good on the actors that they're working with that's funny i never really thought about it growing up but you see in tv shows where the black girl always has either a wig her hair straight i don't know she got some puff going on but most of the time her hair is straight or who knows? I've never really paid that much attention to it. She may have braids or something, but I watch shows now with large black casts, and their hair is just so beautiful, and it's natural, and it's taken care of, and it looks really pretty the way they styled it, especially like Insecure. Issa always had bomb hair, and her hair is natural. Whether it was short, long, whatever it was, it always looked great. And I never really mm-hmm. recognized it until I've heard some actors and actresses or models talk about well, I mean, I had to do my own hair or the stylist didn't know how to do my hair. So I had to wear this wig or she just straightened it or she ruined my hair because I was always straightening it every every day I had to shoot. And that's mm-hmm. so sad. And 
it's just something I hope that changes is that they recognize that those are issues in that industry and they're able to find ways to make it better. Or I don't know, I think I hope that we continue to speak out about it too because I have heard people speak out about stuff like that. And I think that that is also important because then those people, they might not even be thinking about it like, oh, you you don't want to wear your hair straight? But when you talk right. about it and you say, hey, like, this is not how I'm supposed to be wearing my hair every day. I'm not supposed to be putting this much heat on my hair. When you speak out about it, that kind of brings it to their attention. And they're able to say, okay, well, let mm-hmm. me make sure. I have this black character. I need to make sure that her hair works and it, that it looks good on, on your show. And that you're not just throwing a wig on her when she could literally be wearing her hair. Of course, if she wants to wear a wig, then that's perfectly fine. But still, being able to make sure her hair looks good and you're not just throwing it to the side like whatever. Yeah, I agree. I think the biggest example, in my opinion, of like poor representation is in the United States Congress. You would think that the governing body for the entire country would represent or at least look similar to the way the country looks, but it's always mostly male yeah. and mostly white. It's like the Congress is almost 70, over 75% male and white, and that is not the reflection of the country mm-hmm. that we live in. Our country has, I mean, our country is already 50% female, point, period. Like, that in and of itself should be switched around the way that it's organized. There's only 20% of the United States Congress that even identifies as female. And that is how we end up in positions where all of these, like, abortion laws that have been passing recently and things like that get so so much traction because there isn't someone who actually has a uterus yeah. in the room having a conversation about this. It's yeah. all a bunch of men. And it's like, how the heck are men the ones who are making these decisions about a woman's body? Yeah. That doesn't make and any sense. not only just like male, but like you were saying, female. And maybe black females, because it's important to have people with different backgrounds and different points of views. Because even some white women on there might be like, anti-abortion, anti-abortion, anti-abortion. So, like, just having women on there of color and people from different backgrounds can also bring different points of views and not have everyone, even if they are, like, have a couple of females on there, they might all be like, no, no, no. I mean, I think, once again, that's just another example of fully representation. There are women who have certain opinions about all of these issues, right? And they're mm-hmm. on both sides of all of these issues. And so it's not just like, okay, if you bring a bunch of women in, they're all going to be pro-abortion. No, that's not the case. But having a room that the conversation is a full reflection yeah. of the people that it affects, it, it, it's oppressive if you really think about it when it's just like one person making a decision for mm-hmm. another group of people. Yeah, but there are so many really great examples. One of the ones I've heard a lot about recently or just have seen going viral online is that photo of the little boy with the fluffy afro and he's standing in front of the picture of the character from Encanto who basically <laughs> looks like his twin. Oh, I think it's funny TikTok, like I think. Yeah, like seeing those little things like them. for that kid, I'm sure that is probably a big impression. That will make a big impression on him. Oh, I remember the movie Soul. Did you watch that? The movie Soul with mm-hmm. uh, Jamie Foxx. Yeah. All those characters in the barbershop and the way they behaved, that was like something that culturally like you can relate to that felt really like warm. Movies like that, movies like Black Panther, like Soul, they hold a really special place in, I think, the black community's heart just because yeah. it's, it's, it feels really great to see yourself in these spaces that you don't often. And I think that it's good to show different forms of it. 
There's some stuff where they always show the kind of dark side, where there's a low-income black girl. But I like that there's other movies that show them living a normal life, like blackish, you know? They're just everyday people that they're not living in the hood. But I still think that you can show that stuff. But I think there's it's good to show all walks of life. Right, not just one thing. And that's the thing. For a long time, so much of black people on TV was just struggle. It's like, well, black people don't also only struggle. Black people have joy. Black people are are falling in love. Black people, Mm -hmm. everybody does all these things. And so we want to be able to see those. We don't want to just like, okay, if I'm going to see a romance, it's going to be a white couple. Like, okay, great. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, literally. I love that. But I think that it is good to show, have little kid movies that are just entertaining. And it's these black people in all walks of life doing whatever they're doing. Because you never know how a kid's growing up. So they're like... Like, for me, I mean, I just, I grew up in, like, a normal neighborhood. And so you see all these black people in there, like, in the hood with the pants sagging, doing all this stuff. I'm like, okay, well, why are they always picturing black people like that? Like, I mean, I don't, I didn't really grow up like that. So can I see some people that are just, you know, living their day-to-day life? They have, you know, normal jobs with their family. They live in a house. That's why I like blackish and, like, grownish and stuff because they're not super, I mean, they have money. Their the mom's, she's a doctor, right? But they're not super, like, wealthy, all living in mansions and stuff. (laughs) But they're still doing well, and they're just a fun family to watch, and it's entertaining. Yeah. It's like um, the Huxtables was the same thing. Like, they were both doctors in that show, and that was kind of, like, a big deal for black people. That's kind of why this whole Bill Cosby thing was so sensitive for the black community, because the Huxtables and the Cosby show were... a big deal. They felt like they that was a family that was middle class, that was black, that their kids went to college, like things like that, that they feel like weren't really being shown on TV very much. Mm-hmm. So places we see representation in our own lives, for me personally, it was volleyball because volleyball is a very white girl dominant sport. And me and one of my best friends, we were the only two black girls on our volleyball team for the longest time. It was always us two. I can only imagine the little club girls that come to our games and see me being one of the two black girls on my team, seeing me on there and being like, hey, like that can be me one day. And I can only imagine how nice that is a feeling that is and not just to see one set of girls and that's it. You don't see anyone that looks like you. So I think about that sometimes and I'm like, I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing because who knows if I'm uplifting some little black girl in the stands that's watching my watching me play. Right. But it's nice to be able to to have had my friend on the team with me because we we understood everything that we were going through and we had one another. I think that's part of the reason we're like so close now. But I think of girls who are on huge teams in college, big big 10, like they're powerhouses on those teams. And I love seeing that because they're making strides and they're showing that there might be like 15 white girls on this team, but I'm the black girl on this team and I'm going to kill it and unapologetically. I love that. Are there any players in particular that you looked up to or that you just kind of admired? Yeah, a lot of girls, honestly. But one girl in particular, her name's Yasiana Presley. She plays at Baylor. In 2019, she's she's been the most decorated volleyball player at Baylor in history. And she's doing so well. And I love to watch her play. She reminds me of me. She just jumps super high. She's killing it, though. And I love watching her. And I just appreciate all the girls that are doing it. In all sports, you know, but 
it's really cool seeing it in my own sport. Yes, that is cool. You know, one of the things that I, I, I saw something recently about a news anchor and she was wearing her natural hair on air and she was kind of, it was like a TikTok. She was dancing about like, mm-hmm. oh, I wore my natural hair on air for the first time. It's just like, yeah, I've seen that. There's absolutely no reason why someone should, someone shouldn't be able to like wear their hair the way that it grows out of their head in a professional setting, you know? So it's really cool mm-hmm. to see people like her, people like Miss Presley that you mentioned and like all of those others that really take it upon themselves to stand in for the people who are not represented and really kind of be yeah. the first one. Like President Barack Obama, it's going to be difficult a lot of times being the first. Mm-hmm. You're going to undergo a lot of criticism, but it then makes it so much easier for the people behind you. Yeah, agreed. All right, guys. So thank you for joining us for our last episode of the season. But we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Don't worry too much. We're going to just take a little break and then we will drop season dose. Uh, But until then, please feel free to continue to engage with us online via our Instagram and share our podcast with anyone that you might know who would enjoy it as well as leaving us a review and liking our podcast on all the streaming platforms that you use. Can't wait to hear from you guys. See you guys later. Peace.